This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. It's uh, Thursday, 9 March, year of earlier 2023. There's so much going on. Number one, uh, breaking news, New York Times headline, prosecutors signal criminal charges for Trump are likely. Uh, the former president was told that he could appear before a Manhattan grand jury next week if he wishes to testify a strong indication that an indictment can soon follow. This is about the Stormy Daniels hush money situation, a complete joke as we know about the Manhattan DA, it's just that they're out of control. Um, also, I don't quite know what the story is. We're trying to get it, but Peter Thiel has gone on, gone out and said that people associated with anybody's got money, I guess money in Silicon Valley bank, which has been historically the premier bank of lending for the, for the, uh, for uh, the companies in Silicon Valley. I mean, some of the great companies, Silicon Valley bank, he's saying, take your money. It looks like it's been a mini run of the bank stocks down 60%. I think they've even maybe halted trading or halting trading. They've halted trading. Uh, really, this is a, it has historically been really a, a very well known with a platinum client list down in Silicon Valley. So something's up there. Of course, Biden with the $6.8 trillion budget today with not any spending cuts. I want to make sure you understand how in your grill he is on this thing. The largest increase, I think 5.2% pay increase for federal employees, uh, increases across the board. Um, just in pure insanities. We've got a bunch of tax cuts that will never happen that he talks about, but this is McCarthy's into it. Also, the great Matt Boyle's got an incredible interview up on Breitbart. We're going to try to play cuts of that later. But I want to bring in Natalie Winters, our executive editor, co-host here. Natalie, uh, this this situation overnight, I, I don't think my phone is blown up, which blows up every night, as much as this incredible testimony yesterday by Redfield and how serious this is and what this means, not just geopolitically and financially, uh, but what it really means to the country about uh, about our institutions. Uh, this yesterday, I'll let you take it from here. I know you got a whole series of things to go through, Twitter feeds, clips, all that. So our own Natalie Winters. Natalie's been on this for a couple of years, since the very early days of the pandemic. She was still at the University of Chicago as an undergraduate, but she was the, I guess, the senior investigative reporter at uh, Raheem Kassam's National Pulse uh, and just did incredible work. As you know, we've had Natalie on for a number of years now. Natalie, I want to toss this thing over to you. You take it from here because this is about as important and serious a topic as we have here now in the country, which is, hey, we're hurtling towards a third world war. Uh, we have a financial collapse in our country. Uh, and on top of that, much of this, if not all of this, was triggered by the pandemic that came out of the Wuhan lab, ma'am. Yeah, and I think uh, Dr. Redfield is really one of the most serious witnesses that you could have, right, as the former CDC director. But why I think this testimony is so explosive, and I know we throw that word around a lot, but I really think it is applicable here, is because his testimony um, in this hearing that took place yesterday in front of the House Select Subcommittee on the coronavirus pandemic doesn't just implicate the Chinese Communist Party, 
but it implicates their counterparts here in the United States, particularly Anthony Fauci, but really the National Institutes of Health more broadly. Um, and while this show has obviously focused extensively on what I would call sort of the biological warfare side of the whole COVID-19 pandemic, right? The Wuhan Institute of Virology, the bat lady, Sher Zheng Li, the gain of function research, even though we don't like that name because it's too nice sounding. The other, and frankly, I think almost more insidious aspect of the whole COVID-19 pandemic was the information warfare that was, was waged and that continues to be waged. I think you saw it particularly pronounced in terms of obscuring the origins of COVID, but this of course continued uh, into the narratives about therapeutics and vaccines and mask mandates and you know staying at home and all these different regulations. But why Dr. Redfield's testimony? Again, it sounds like stuff we were saying on War Room you know, two to three years ago, but he says point blank um, that Anthony Fauci, the National Institutes of Health, funded gain of function research and why this is so important just to sort of provide a, a general overview, because I think it's important when we watch these hearings to understand how what is being said, the testimony that we're hearing and seeing, how that actually translates into criminal referrals, right? We love the talk, we love the narratives, we love being vindicated, uh, but I think the war room policy also wants some actual accountability. And why what Dr. Redfield said was so important is because Anthony Fauci is on record repeatedly, people may remember his exchange with Senator Rand Paul, not only saying that he didn't fund the Wuhan Institute of Virology, but he adamantly denied that he was ever involved with gain-of-function research. So either Dr. Redfield is lying or Dr. Anthony Fauci is lying. Uh, and I would place my money uh, that it's more likely that Anthony Fauci is lying. And I don't just say that because we know he's probably one of the most egotistical bureaucrats in the history of modern America. But as someone who, as you said, reported on this topic extensively, the primary documents, the papers that were published by the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the web pages that were deleted, the genomic sequences that were hid from the World Health Organization and other American researchers. Um, I think even though the CCP has done an epic job um, to kind of institute this cover-up and hide and obscure the origins of COVID from what we've been able to piece together if you sort of find the crime in the cover-up. Um, it's very, very, very clear the National Institutes of Health, specifically yeah. the taxpayer dollars, were yeah. involved. I, I, I want to tee this up and, 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 and uh, so make sure the audience <laughs> understands what you're about to hear from Natalie. The it is extraordinary. I don't think it's ever happened. I've never seen it happen. And not only have I been doing this, I don't know, for 10, 12 years, but I've studied this for many, many decades. I don't ever think we've had two institutions that are so central to a part of American life, and this would be public health, um, like CDC, now totally contradicting what Nan is about to very shocking uh, firsthand evidence and, and, and firsthand um, uh angle of attack or, or, or understanding from the CDC director against another, no two institutions have ever gone at it publicly like this. NI, and people should understand, NIH uh, with, uh, Fauci runs a section of NIH. NIH was run by Dr. Collins for years. These are people we were told in the transition that you literally can't touch. They are l untouchable. They are they are as big institutions as the institutions they run, which are multi-billion dollar, and they spread money around every congressional district, normally through uh, universities. And what is so stunning is something so important, which was really equivalent, if you take it one direction, almost an act of war, but that totally changed the direction of American history and world history, 
So this is not some marginal topic. It's not even, and we're all over the train derailment in the, in the, in the release into the atmosphere. As important as this is, that is, this is 100 times more important. And to have institutions like CDC and the leaders essentially calling people bald-faced liars and uh, that they hid information is, is shocking and monumental in American history. So with that tee up, and, and people, Collins and Fauci, are institutions in themselves and, and, and extraordinarily powerful. Natalie Winters, the floor is yours, ma'am. Yeah, so if we could play the clip uh, with the exchange featuring Rep uh, Maliotakis going, it's about a two, three-minute clip. I'm happy to sort of tee it up uh, to give the production team a second to, to get it uploaded. Um, but this clip, we played a brief segment of it yesterday, the final seconds you can hear Dr. Redfield admit that it was gain-of-function research going on at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Um, but the other interesting aspect of this hearing, again, just to sort of lay down a general marker, because like I said, there's a lot of bombshells, a lot of buried leads in this you know, multi-hour hearing. Um, the other component, which I think goes to what you're talking about, right, use COVID as a case study, not just to how our government lies to us, but how they have these coordinated campaigns to really obscure the truth because they are the guilty parties in terms of enacting this. So if you watch the beginning of the exchange, which we will momentarily, uh, it really gets to, I would say, just the evil lengths to which Anthony Fauci and his colleagues at the NIH uh, really, I would say, stooped to. Um, to suppress people who disagreed with them in terms of the natural origins theory versus the lab leak theory. I tried to explain to Dr. Fauci, who's an immunologist, that this virus, SARS and MERS, when they infected a man from the intermediate host, civet cat in the case of SARS and a camel in the case of MERS, they never learned how to go human to human. So those original outbreaks were less than 1,000 people, and the epidemics died. And so when everyone thought this was SARS-like, well, that's gonna, it's going to die too. But this virus was immediately the most infectious virus, not the most, I think probably right behind measles, virus that we've ever seen infect man. So I immediately said, wait a second, this isn't natural. And then you go back and look at the literature and you find in 2014 this lab actually published a paper that they put the H2 receptor into humanized mice so it could infect human tissue. And then you learn that the new COVID, which came from bats, now can hardly replicate in bats. Yeah. So how does that happen? So I said that my view as a virologist, again, my hypothesis, and I never discredited them for their hypothesis, it's this spillover, was that this was most likely to come from the lab. And we need to aggressively investigate both hypotheses. Thank you. Thank you very much. I haven't so one, one other path of questioning for you, Dr. Riffle. Proponents of this research claim it may result in vaccines or maybe even stop a pandemic. Dr. Redfield, has gain-of-function created any life-saving vaccines or therapeutics to your knowledge? Not to my knowledge. Has gain-of-function stopped a pandemic, to, in your opinion? No, on the contrary, I think it probably caused the greatest pandemic our world has seen. Do you find any tangible benefits uh, to gain-of-function research at this time? I personally don't, but I do want to stress, I think the men and women that support it are people of good faith because they truly believe it's going to lead to a potential benefit. I disagree with that assessment. Well, that wasn't the exact clip that we were going for, but I think the production team is working on playing that one later. But 
Uh, if you want, Steve, I'm happy to sort of unpack that because it does dovetail with what I was talking about. Yeah, before. I, I, yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to get to the last one. We'll get this thing sorted here in a second. But here, the that is so powerful. And talk to me about what's this directed, what's called directed evolution that takes you tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of years into the future with this. The gain of function, let's call it what it is. It is a part of the biological weapons process to basically weaponize uh, these viruses, to weaponize them, to make them into weapons you can use. Okay. The, the, the theory that you're trying to do this because of you think that there may be viruses out there and you can get to vaccines earlier. That's just a lie. And the guy right there asked the question, says, has any vaccine come? No. Boom. They just, any therapies? No. This is why, this is why the Obama administration, when they found out that this was going on at places like the University of Maryland and others, they shut it down. Is that, isn't that the basic takeaway of everything else that comes from, from Redfield's? I mean, that's the railhead of what the problem is. Fauci and these guys are pro gain of function and have supporting gain of function have been funding gain of function. And when they're caught doing it here in the United States, which the labs have much more control, they do it over, they use a cutout and basically like uh, uh, Echo Health Alliance and they do it overseas. And Redfield's sitting there going, hey, and not only has it not helped on any vaccines, it's probably created the, the worst virus in history. Yeah, Anthony Fauci is on record as defending gain-of-function research in a paper back from 2014 as an integral part, um, really, of the scientific community. So that's that's no surprise there. But I think what's so interesting when it comes to talking about gain-of-function research, which I think it's like one of those terms like social credit score, it's too euphemistic for, for really what's going on. The PR agents have, have really been working overtime to come up with a better spin on it. Um, but that form of research, it's very interesting as someone who has read probably way, way too many um, papers that have been published by the Wuhan Institute of Virology um, and the type of research they were engaging in. They always kind of offer the caveat or, or really the specialization of their form of gain of function research, um, particularly isolating strains of viruses that can impact humans, for example, and the Wuhan Institute of Virology's, I believe it was their annual report in 2012 or 2013, which of course had been, you know, wiped from the internet, which again was just one year before they started getting federal funds from Anthony Fauci to engage in gain of function research. They said that they were isolating coronavirus strains for, quote, direct human infection. Um, and, and what's so interesting, if we have time before the break, um, is that Ralph Barrick, right, this is a name that you keep hearing, he's a really important figure in all of this because he's the person that gave the humanized mice models to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He's someone who's been overseas. And it goes to what you were saying in terms of the co-mingling of vaccine development with the people who are also ostensibly protecting us from pandemics. And that's where the major, I would say, really existential threat to humanity arises because the same people who are profiting off of pandemics happening um, are also the ones who are supposed to be preventing them. So we have a, a short clip, clip two to play that we had unearthed back when I was at the National Pulse a year or two ago. Um, and this is Ralph Barrick, who again, created these humanized mice models for the Wuhan Institute of Virology to work with, specifically talking about how you can profit off of pandemics. So if we could play that, uh, that would be great. Uh, during the Ebola outbreak, there was about an eight to 10% drop in the market. It then quickly recovered. I wanted to give you good news. You can, there are winners out there, right? So if you're looking at you want to be prepared and make money in the next pandemic, if that's what you want to do, buy stock in hazmat suit makers and protective clothing or, or companies that make antiviral drugs of that particular pandemic. 
you'll probably do pretty well. They're actually uh, mutual funds for pandemic preparedness. You can bet on anything in this country. <laughs> Some products do well. 1918, including masks, same thing today. Now, pandemics really are uh, times of opportunity, and I like George R.R. George Martin. I mean, he says that you can see on wow. the slide, it says, right, global catastrophe opportunities exist, and they talk about masks and all these different things. Again, it's saying the quiet part out loud. And, and the, fun, the funniest part, too, Steve, is that when we first reported that video, uh, our very dear friends of the show, Lead Stories, Alan Duke, um, they came out in full force saying that we were wrong in our reporting, that he wasn't talking about how to make money off of the pandemic. And he actually received, not long after, a six-figure grant from the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, the same group that was funding the Center for Tech and Civic Life. So I know there are no conspiracies and no coincidences, but I really think Ralph but, Barrett... But, 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 yeah, hang on. Your, your reporting on this uh, came when, when you were at National Pulse. Uh, do you remember what, what the time frame was when you, you were doing the Barrick stories? Because Barrick is a central figure in this and has not gotten enough. We have not made him famous enough. When, when, when did the first stories you did on National Pulse come out about this? Oh, goodness. Um, probably would have been the summer of two, two years ago, I think. Um, yeah, that, tw that would be 20... 20 2020. It was it was before the it was the summer of 2020, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want to just make sure everybody understands something. This guy Barrick in the University of North Carolina, because this is one the um, in the spring of 2020, right after we had President Trump came about the the shutdowns when we were just right before between the March, basically tr Trump saying this is a national emergency, and the in the two weeks to flatten the curve, which basically, I think, occurred in late April or in May. NBC one time played, they had, it was like on a Saturday, and they had like a five-minute clip on this guy, Barrick, who was interviewed, and he was talking about all this, and I said, man, the gain of function, that's the thing that got shut down. This guy is a very dangerous guy. He is a guy that is at the center of this entire thing, and I, I it was interesting because the University of North Carolina, I think, came in immediately and kind of shut this down because we went on the show the next couple of days and go, hey, this guy Barrick uh, in the in this lab in the University of North Carolina is one of the problems because they've been doing the gain-of-function you know, research, and this was stuff that was you know, not supposed to be done anywhere except at Fort Detrick, right? Um, and uh, all of a sudden, because he was, they were touting him on, this, on, the, on the NBC uh, five-minute clip, that, oh, this guy knows so much about it, and he's going to know really about, uh, you know, how to handle this. Never mention, they never mention at all, uh, Natalie, any relationships with the she's CCP, any relationship with China. They never really tell you what they're doing until you guys get this clip of showing him at a conference. I mean, this guy, Barrick, is going to be right down. He's going to be a notch below Fauci when this thing's all over. Your thoughts, ma'am? Yeah, I mean, we have it on, on record in terms of Shirjong Lee, who is the Wuhan Institute of Virology's bat lady. She really led a lot of the, the research going on there into coronaviruses. But she calls him one of her longtime collaborators, along with Peter Doshak. Um, deleted web pages from the Wuhan Institute of Virology show Ralph Barrick being over there repeatedly lecturing at events, lecturing researchers, even at conferences where they discussed in there, in the Wuhan Institute of Virology's words, gain of function 
research. He's someone who has a very, very, very long track record of collaborating with, with Wuhan. But it's very funny because they totally did a 180 on him. They stopped covering him. They stopped bringing him on prime time. Uh, I think we sort of forced them to cover him again when we had unearthed this clip. But he's also someone who made it out of the pandemic I would argue pretty unscathed. Uh, you know, Anthony Fauci actually delivered the commencement address at UNC Chapel Hill that year uh, that, that COVID really raged throughout the United States. And he recently received, I think it was like a $60 million grant um, from the National Institutes of Health to fund a school at UNC Chapel Hill to focus on pandemic prevention and vaccine development, you know, the whole racket, all the terms that we know all too well. So he needs to be not just famous, but infamous, because again, he basically gave kind of the nuts and bolts, the pieces for the Wuhan Institute of Virology to create this Frankenstein monster. Um, and the mainstream media really has been running, running cover for him. Uh, go ahead, continue on with your with your presentation, ma'am. Very powerful. Sure, I think we have the clip that I had originally called for. So if we want to play that, please go ahead. 40 seconds left. Dr. Fauci was affirmatively told in, told in an email that uh, NIAID had a monetary relationship with the Wuhan uh, Institute through uh, EcoHealth Alliance. He, he was told this in January 27th of 2020. Do you think that Dr. Fauci intentionally lied under oath to Senator Paul when he vehemently denied NIH's funding of gain-of-function research? I think there's no doubt that NIH was funding gain-of-function research. Is it likely that American tax dollars funded the gain-of-function research that created this virus? I think it did, not only from NIH, but from the State Department, USAID, and from DOD. I'm out of time. Thank you very much. So that was also not the right clip. Um, if we want to play either the other one, the actual right one, or the one with Comer uh, to talk about the, the cover-up aspect of it. But in the meantime, just again, to I think really juxtapose where War Room was so ahead of the curve in terms of the weaponization of these pathogens. And another perfect example of how we put these stories out and the fact checkers came out in full force uh, to brand us as, as, you know, spreading fake news, spreading health misinformation. If you guys want to play clip one of Peter Doshak talking about his collaborations with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Coronaviruses in bats, a whole host of them, some of them looked very similar to SARS. So we sequenced the spike protein, the protein that attaches to cells. Then we, well, I didn't do this work, but my colleagues in China did the work. You create pseudoparticles, you, look, you insert the spike proteins from those viruses, see if they bind to human cells. And each step of this, you move closer and closer to this virus could really become pathogenic in people. So you narrow down the field, you reduce the cost, and you end up with a small number of, of viruses that really do look like killers. Then you look in people and you say, in the people that live in the region where this animal lives, that are exposed to that virus, do we see antibodies specifically? You can hear he calls them killer viruses. And I remember when we posted that, like I said, lead stories came out uh, with all their other social media counterparts and, and said that we were spreading fake news. But I think it's a perfect example. And frankly, I, hopefully we can play the right clip after this. Um, but what, what gets to the cover-up aspect, which is sort of what I wanted to pivot to now, um, because I think it, it really is interesting in light of everything that we've learned about the Twitter files, right? The idea that the federal government is working. Hang on, hang on one second. Hang on one second. H hang on a second. Sorry, I don't understand it. You're good. 
he just said right there, and I want to make sure the audience understands this. When you talk about this, you talk about this research and, and to make sure people are in their mind, this is the weaponization of evolution. This is the weaponization of biology. And these guys know they're killer viruses. The whole, because we'll go back after the break too, because I want to go back to the congressman asking um, Redfield about who paid for it. There is no doubt, and this is what we got to strip away here. This is not about scientific research to find solutions for viruses that don't exist. What happened here, and major institutions throughout the world supported this, and the Chinese Communist Party and the PLA is known of being, of signing the Biological Weapons Treaty and not abiding by it. And I just want to tell people, in the Navy, when we have uh, nuclear weapons, chemical weapons, biological weapons, when you look at defenses for that, the biological weapons is by far the hardest because there's really no defense for it. It's almost no defense for it. That's why what China was doing and we were allowing to do and having people, in, you know, support it with our tax dollars and not just that, our expertise and technology. And Dasik sits right there and they talk about it. These are killer viruses. The reason is they've been weaponized. Isn't that the beating heart of the problem here and that people have just kind of Every time you've done it at National Pulse or other people, they kind of poo-poo it as, oh, oh, that's not that's not real. Fauci and all these things, and this is what Rand Paul's been trying to get to. This was a biological weapons program in a lab that was not controlled, was controlled by the PLA and the CCP, and that we institutions in this country and, and people that should have known better were in business with them to help them do that, Natalie Winters. Yeah, I think as, you know, the concept of transhumanism is to the creation of really, you know, human 2.0, right, a superhuman gain-of-function research is the, is the, I would say, kind of counterpart in the scientific realm to create these super viruses that really wouldn't exist otherwise. And again, I think this technology in the hands of anyone is really dangerous. Like Dr. Redfield says, there's never really been a historical or empirical application of it where it's actually done any good. But when you really try to understand the logic of the National Institutes of Health, as to why they would put this technology in the hands of the Chinese Communist Party, particularly a laboratory that not only explicitly employs people from the People's Liberation Army, but of course in China, given that there's no meaningful difference between civil and military science, um, it, it really, I don't think that ignorance is an adequate answer. Um, I think it's intentional. Um, I think all the way up to, to the upper echelons, to the faculty and the Collins of the okay. world. Hang on, we're going to get to all this after a short commercial break. Also, the level of competence. These people knew this lab was not at the level, although it's called a P4 lab, it was not run at the level. We know that from the State Department memos. Okay, short commercial break. Natalie Winters is walking us through this, the weaponization of these viruses and who funded it, who knew about it, this explosive testimony uh, in the House yesterday. Short commercial break. Back in a moment. Buy gold and get a free safe to store it in. That's right. On qualifying purchases from Birch Gold Group now through March 31st, they'll ship a free safe directly to your door. Just text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 to get your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free safe. Here's the deal. The Fed keeps raising rates because it's the only tool they have to keep inflation under control. And guess what? It's not working. You can't spend your way out of inflation. 
You've seen the impact on the stock market. You've seen the impact on your savings. Hedge inflation by owning gold. Let me repeat that. Hedge inflation by owning gold. Whether physical gold and silver in your own safe or through an IRA in precious metals where you can hold real gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Text Bannon to 989898 for your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free home safe by March 31st on qualifying purchases. Again, text Bannon to 989898. Starting the new year, how will you prepare yourself, friends, and family? In the news, you're seeing constant government overreach, attacks on our communication and energy grid, worldwide conflicts, natural disasters, and the never-ending assault on our security and privacy. And relying on your cell phone in these scenarios simply won't cut it. That's why over the last year, I've been partnering with Satellite Phone Store to help you stay prepared and ensure your vital communications stay prior. They're one of America's largest satellite companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. For a limited time, Satellite Phone Store has a special promotional offer when you go to sat123.com slash Bannon. That is sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon. Get a bivy stick or an Imarsat satellite phone included with an annual agreement. Remember, that's you get a bivy stick or a Marsat satellite phone included with an annual agreement. Now, Satellite Phone Store's customer support team is located in the United States of America and can help you pick the best plan for you. Go to sat.com right now. That's sat123.com slash Bannon. Sat123.com slash Bannon. And get your device today. Don't put it off. Life can change in an instant. That is sat123.com slash Bannon, sat123.com slash Bannon. Get it today. Take action, action, action. Citizens, the headlines are getting worse and worse day after day. It seems like Armageddon could be just around the corner. That's why I highly recommend you stock up on emergency food right away. You already know you're going to need this food someday. Why not get it now before it's too late? Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and stock up on their popular three-month emergency food kit. When you do, you'll also get $200 worth of rugged survival gear as a free bonus. You'll need this gear when things fall apart. The grid goes down. and any other time, you need to fend for yourself by yourself. To see what you get, go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Your $200 of free bonus gear comes with each three-month emergency food kit you order and includes free shipping. That way, your whole family can be prepared. Don't delay. Act now. And sleep better knowing your family won't suffer when disaster strikes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and enjoy free shipping. MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. I think uh, just to emphasize, uh, in, in, in early to mid-January, I did have multiple calls with Fauci, Farrar, and, and, and Tedros about how important I thought it was that science get engaged in, in aggressive, aggressively pursuing both hypotheses. I also expressed, as a clinical virologist, that I felt it was um, 
not scientifically plausible that this virus went from a bat to humans and became one of the most infectious viruses that we have for humans. All viruses are not the same. So when you look at coronaviruses for SARS and MERS, for example, when they entered the human species, which they did via an intermediate, they never learned how to go human to human. Even to this day, they don't know how to go human to human. So you can't equate Ebola with a coronavirus. Now, why do, you, why do you think you were excluded from those calls? I, I, because it was, it was told to me that uh, they wanted a single narrative and that I obviously had a different point of view. Okay. In emails following the conference call, four of the 11 scientists told Fauci that they all found the genetic sequence inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory, basically what you're saying. However, just three days later, these four scientists had drafted a paper arguing the exact opposite, and that's now the infamous proximal origin of SARS-CoV-2. Our investigations show that this paper was prompted by Dr. Fauci, among others, with a goal to disprove the lab leak theory. What is the likelihood that these scientists came across additional information just three days after making these statements to conclude with such certainty that COVID-19 came from nature instead of the lab leak that they thought it was three days earlier? Yeah, I think it's unfortunate. Again, I've said this before, that this whole approach that was taken on January, uh, February 1st and subsequently in the month of February, if you really want to be truthful, it's antithetical to science. Thank you. Science has debate, and they squashed any debate. Thank you. Given what we know now and looking at all the conversations in February of 2020 and before the release of the paper, do you think that uh, Dr. Fauci used this paper to hide the gain-of-function research created, that gain-of-function research created this virus? I can't talk about Fauci's motivation. Do you think that the paper does hide the truth? I think it's an inaccurate paper that basically was part of a narrative that they were creating. Remember, this pandemic did not start in January at the seafood market. We now know there was infections all the way back into September. This was a narrative that was decided that they were going to say this came from the wet market and they were going to do everything they could to support it to negate any discussion about the possibility that this came from a laboratory. I got 20 seconds left. Dr. Fauci was affirmatively told in, told in an email that uh, NIAID had a monetary relationship with the Wuhan uh, Institute through uh, EcoHealth Alliance. He, he was told this in January 27th of 2020. Do you think that Dr. Fauci intentionally lied under oath to Senator Paul when he vehemently denied NIH's funding of gain-of-function research? I think there's no doubt that NIH was funding gain-of-function research. Is it likely that American tax dollars funded the gain-of-function research that created this virus? I think it did, not only from NIH, but from the State Department, USAID, and from DOD. I'm out of time. Thank you very much. It's still, to me, mind-boggling mind to watch that clip because, like I said, it, it proves that Anthony Fauci perjured himself, right? One of them, one of them is lying. Um, but what I, I think is so particularly interesting, and you're welcome to jump in, Steve. I, I know they can talk to me. But, um, you know, we give the Chinese Communist Party a lot of flack, right, for, for running state-sponsored propaganda in terms of covering up the origins of COVID. But what you really hear and piece together through this hearing is that the United States is really guilty of the same crime in terms of silencing people who didn't support the natural origins theory and really just excluding them from the discussion entirely. And I think it's important too to really contextualize when exactly this was taking place, because I think it's sort of, you know, the fog of war you forget, but 
This was also during an election year. And if you remember, Donald Trump had come out and pulled funding from EcoHealth Alliance. He had come out against the gain-of-function research that they were conducting. And while there are ramifications that extend beyond just Donald Trump and you know the 2020 election in terms of understanding the federal government's complicity and really driving the spear behind lying about the origins of COVID, I think much like the medical establishment did a 180 and just sort of put their blinders on and opposed hydroxychloroquine because Donald Trump came out and supported it, I think there was an element of that too in terms of opposing the lab leak theory and this, this statement that they're talking about, right, the proximal origins of COVID, it was published in Nature, we're actually coming up on the three-year anniversary, it was March 19th of 2020, that they published it. You know, there were a lot of other comparable papers um, that set out specifically, not even to necessarily support the natural origins theory, but to discredit and diminish and disqualify the natural the the lab leak theory, which is a sort of interesting position for a paper to have in the first place. And people may remember, uh, you know, OG devotees of War Room, Peter Doshak, right, a name that that we've said all too often. Uh, he was one of the leading signatories on a statement that came from the Lancet Medical Journal that was really used to silence discussion about the lab leak on mainstream media outlets. Um, but later, I think it was probably last year, um, they had to come out and they basically issued a retraction and they declared and exposed their conflicts of interest. And Peter Doshak was recused from that Lancet uh, COVID-19 commission. So again, it's just a perfect example of not how right we've been. That's great. It's awesome to feel vindicated. Um, but I think you're also left with a, a, a very unsettling feeling um, in terms of the conspiracy that occurred within the National Institutes of Health, within this club of, I would call, you know, untouchables, um, the Fauci's, the Collins of the world, um, who really conspired. And by the way, make no mistake, don't forget that, you know, it's no coincidence that Anthony Fauci's temporary replacement, um, Hugh uh, Auchincloss, who also happens to have a son who is a Democratic congressman who serves on the China Select Subcommittee because there are no conspiracies, only coincidences, but he was Anthony Fauci's deputy director, right? He was essentially number two to Anthony Fauci when all of this was going down. Um, and I think it's very apparent that they sort of keep their secrets in the family, right? They keep it in the family. There's a reason why he was chosen to replace Fauci. Um, they don't really like outside blood, like you said. It. I don't want to use the word cult, but th there is some element of that, right? Like if you don't believe what we think, uh, even if we don't have all the evidence, right? If your hypothesis isn't the same as ours, um, then you're not even allowed in the room. You're not. You don't have a seat at the table. It really, like I said, just it, it, it baffles the mind. But Natalie, here's what they did is so monstrous. It's so monstrous. This is why now it, the reveal, and he even says it's starting September. What they did is so monstrous that you now understand why they went to such extreme lengths, not just to cover up, but to suppress simultaneously, both cover up and then dismiss and suppress everybody. Remember, War Room is uh, is off the uh you know, off Twitter and all, all these other YouTube and all this other stuff for one of the big reasons was because of this, you know, going after Fauci. And I'm not complaining about that. We could care less. We're bigger now than we've ever been. It doesn't make any difference. But the acts are so monstrous. It so boggles the mind because it's got to settle into the American people that some of the top people in public health, some of the guardians of supposedly public health in the United States, 
actually actively work with companies when when other authorities, including the National Security Council or the Obama administration, was saying that this stuff is so dangerous that you shouldn't do it here in the United States. We should shut it down. Everywhere. It couldn't be funny. Went out of their way to 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 basically continue this research, not just with a, a, a country that is controlled by an existential threat to the American people, the Chinese Communist Party in the PLA, but also didn't have the competence or the safety or security to do that. And they continued to do this in a systematic way. And then when it exploded into the whole world to infect the whole world, went out of the way to do two things. One, to suppress that information from Mariana and lying about it. And number two, uh, I mean, you know, conspiracy to hide it. And then also to make sure they suppressed anybody that would come forward with the truth. This may be the most monstrous act by people that have should known better in American institutions, because the institutions have to be called to account. A- a- am I wrong in this? I mean, this what's so I actually never actually thought we would get to this point to see it in a public testimony. But now I realize that, that Anthony Fauci is not just a criminal. He's a monstrous criminal. And we'll have to pay the penalty for that. Am I am I misreading what's happened here in the last 48 hours? No, not at all. And I will pledge on air now that I will file the Freedom of Information Act request to get to the bottom of it. But I bet that it was the NIH or the subsidiary NIAID that certainly reached out to these social media platforms. As we know, this access between the public and private sector certainly exists, evidence being the Twitter files. Um, and all these sort of meetings that they've been holding to, to obviously censor not just shows like War Room, but, you know, the War Room audience, too. Um, but I really think it shows you really the weaponization of the National Institutes of Health, um, an agency that, like you said, sort of, I think, forgot its mandate, forgot its purview. It should be protecting American health, actually, you know, engaging in defending public health and safety. Um, but instead, they only seem to be Uh, focused on giving taxpayer dollars to the Chinese Communist Party and actually weaponizing viruses uh, against American people in the world writ large. And I think it's so interesting, too, Steve, because we talk about how, you know, these elements, these players lied about what went on in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But there's a very interesting parallel to draw, which I spoke about very recently with Monica Crowley on this show, which is what was going on in the Ukrainian bio labs. Because remember, they used the same playbook uh, when we first broke that story back when I was at the National Polls. They had the same fact checkers come out. They said we were lying. They weren't engaging in any risky forms of research, even though the primary documents, the grant receipts showed that they were engaging with, quote, especially dangerous pathogens. It's a now deleted article that I believe Obama was quoted in. Um, But I think it really just sets an interesting precedent for just really the, the broader kind of territory of what's going on in these biolabs, which frankly, I don't know why the United States is in the business of setting up biosafety level three and biosafety level four facilities in either China or on the border of Russia and Ukraine. But I think it really sort of allows us and gives us the the justification to ponder what what the heck is going on in those Ukrainian biolabs too, because if they're using the same playbook that's now been proven false, um, it sort of to me indicates that they're lying. Um, And like I said, the National Institutes of Health being engaged in the business of censorship when we know that big pharma funds flow through that entity, um, you know, ad infinitum, right? That that is really, I would say, comprises the backbone of the NIH, the CDC, 
Um, that's a very, very concerning prospect. And I frankly, I think in some ways, obviously, these hearings are unsettling, but I also think that they sort of provide not a sense of comfort, but it sort of helps you better understand what exactly happened. Because when you try to understand why the United States government would deliberately be engaging in the spread of misinformation, you have your answer. It's because they were deliberately involved with, frankly, the creation of COVID-19. And at some point, we have another clip that gets even really more into the weeds, um, more into the details about the extent to, to which the cover-up featuring uh, Representative Comer, who's been doing a wonderful job um, on all of these hearings, not just this one. Let me let me hang on, because I want to I get to the Matt Bull McCarthy thing, and I want to hold some of this for tomorrow. But just real quick, give me a minute or two, given your expertise in this, because it's very easy for these investigations to get off track and things like that. What, given this explosive testimony and wanting to make sure you can drive this home, what would be your recommendation to MTG in, 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 this, in this COVID to get to the bottom of it? What would be Natalie Winner's recommendation today of where do you take this for the next hearing? Well, I am from Los Angeles, so I do like drama. And because of that, I think that they should have a hearing with Fauci and with Redfield because the two of them, the stories that they're telling – they are not. They cannot both be true, right? They're mutually exclusive in terms of their accuracy, um, and I think the two of them in the same room um, would be absolutely wonderful because I think we'd be able to actually get to the bottom, not just of the origins of COVID and why exactly they obscured what they were obscuring, but the cover-up aspect too. Because I think it goes back to what I said in the beginning. You since the Chinese Communist Party and probably the NIH too has destroyed so much of the biological and and virological evidence of COVID-19, I think we're unfortunately left in a position where you have to kind of piece together the crime through the cover-up, right? It's like reverse engineering. Um, so that's that's what I would recommend. And I think we really need, you know, to understand how intense that hearing is because it proves either Dr. Redfield perjured himself or Anthony Fauci did. Um, and I think that that leaves us in a very, very good position because I would take the words of Dr. Redfield, who has significantly less conflicts of interest and, you know, buried bodies to hide than Anthony Fauci does. Um, so I think that this hearing leaves us in a very, very solid position. Okay, we're going to drill down this on other tapes, things you have tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night, both in the five o'clock hour and the six o'clock hour. Natalie, how do people get to you? What are your coordinates? I am at Natalie G. Winters on Getter, Twitter, Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, too, and always go to warroom.org to catch up with the latest stories. Natalie, thank you. And I want to, I'll talk to you after this. this, this, this uh, the Victoria Newland Ukrainian Biolabs is a whole different area that we got to drill down on. So thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Our executive editor and the best investigative reporter in the nation's capital. Let me go... Um, one of the great reporters uh, of our time, Matt Boyle of Breitbart. Uh, Matt is, uh, he had three pretty good mentors. Andrew Breitbart was his first. Tucker Carlson at the Daily Caller is a second. And I take pride of being his third at Breitbart when he came over there. He was very early on singled out by uh, Andrew Breitbart as being someone that was just absolutely a stone cold killer. This is an exclusive interview that's up on Breitbart uh, that he did with uh, Speaker McCarthy. Let, let's go ahead and hear it. Arguably the biggest story of the year so far and the, the media who are all lined up outside this room right now <laughs> trying to get a question with you. Uh, the establishment media are freaking out about this. Your decision to release 
the January 6th surveillance tapes here from the Capitol to Tucker Carlson. Uh, can you tell us why you made that decision? What was the thinking behind it? What do you think it showed? Well, this is all about transparency, and it won't just be to Tucker. Like any news organization, different people get exclusives. We watched during the January 6th, CNN would have exclusives all the time, and nobody complained. CNN actually got to be in the, Sarah, the Statuary Hall for a whole hour for their own show. You've watched that January 6th would release only certain tapes. I think it's better for transparency that anyone can make their own decision up. And as we walk through these, these are many more hours of tapes than the January 6th committee told us. It's not 14,000, it's 42,000 hours. We wanna make sure for security purposes, or certain accents aren't shown in others. But you know the most interesting thing, when I sat down, when I had the team talk to the Capitol Police about making sure they had no problems with the exit is showing, they said January 6th never asked them that. They showed the exit of the Vice President. They showed the exit from my office. They literally had then Speaker Pelosi's daughter showing the secure location that they take the leadership. That's not supposed to be known to anybody, and CNN reported it. And I don't remember the press ever getting upset with that. So what we wanna do is make sure we have this out that everybody can see it. As Tucker Carlson rolled out several of these tapes, uh, uh, he made a very compelling case that the January 6th committee lied to the American public, uh, the, the Democrat-run committee, which I know you've been very critical of. What do you think? Do you think the January 6th committee lied to the public? Do you think that these tapes show that? Well, I think I haven't been able to see all the tapes yet, mm -hmm. but the one thing I did know, there were certain things the January 6th committee did that I knew was purely political. First, not letting Republicans on the committee. Secondly, they made accusations that we knew were not true. They said um, one Republican congressman gave a tour well, the tapes show he did not give a tour. But you know what? One of the Democrats on the January 6th committee did give a tour in the Capitol the day before. Um, we watched different accusations they made. That's why I think transparency answers all that. That's not my job to sit back and say whether they were right or wrong, but my job is to be transparent and people can make their own conclusion. One of the really compelling tapes is shows the what they call the QAnon shaman or whatever, right? Like the guy who was dressed up in some really funky garb walking through the Capitol with police officers, taking him around to various doors and trying to even unlock a couple doors for him and uh, take him into the Senate chamber. Um, there, there's, there's all sorts of other stuff that maybe contradicts some of the, the official narrative that's out there. Do you think that this may change the outcomes of, say, several of these convictions of these people? Do you think that, uh, that maybe this is exculpatory evidence for some of the people that I'm are I'm not sure, but anybody that's been held for trial, they, they should be able to have the ability to see the tapes. They should be able to use the tapes. I don't know if he was able to use the tapes during that. But I also believe in America you need equal justice. I've watched what transpired in America, the burning of courthouses. Look, I don't condone anything that happened on January 6th. I don't like what happened on January 6th, right? right. Um, but I've watched um, the courthouse. Let me jump in here. There's much more of this, uh, and Boyle's interview goes on. That's over at Breitbart. I think it's the lead story. It's exclusive interview. Matt Bowles is uh, well-informed a reporter as this town has. An incredible interview with uh, McCarthy. And right there, you're saying, remember, the Tucker Carlson thing right now is going to be a hang fire. We'll see tonight what happens. Okay, tomorrow morning at 10, we're going to start. Uh, right now, we're trying to schedule Senator Vance is going to join us. We're going to talk about East Palestine. A lot of going on there today, particularly with the testimony we played that. Cash Patel is going to be with us. 
We're going to be packed for both hours. Uh, we appreciate we're going to have Natalie on tomorrow night uh, to go back through the gain of function, the weaponization that is exploding all over the city. Matt Gates is going to join us, talk about not just the Syria vote, but where we go forward on Ukraine, the budget. We're going to have some of the people from Russ Vote Shop to go through the budget. So we are wall-to-wall jam-packed on all the biggest, most important stories of the day. Signal, not noise. We don't chase the shiny toys. So I want to thank everybody. Thank the team in Memphis. I'll see you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. when you'll be back in the war room. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. Go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash warroom to install the Unplugged Suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% and do it again. WARROOMHEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out.